This is the one with a room full of Jimmy cars. A minor tour of an 80s hotel. A cowardly lion. And a side order of tasty fates. Mm-mm, it's called the God Complex. Here, Here we, we go. go. Whistle on our epic race. All through time and all through space. Whistle being an angel's hour. Dalek cyber zoo and wow. Counting Sonic's rating apps. From the poor to the sublime. Eccleston to Whitaker. Let's agree it's about time. Who back when? Reviewing on you who there is. Who back when? Subscribe and rate on iTunes, please. Rose and Donna. Amy Pond. Rory Clara. And beyond. Join, Join us on this side to see what other choice could there be. But who back when? Who back when? Hello, ladies and gentlemen of Podcast Land, and welcome to another episode of Who Back, Back when? when? A Doctor Who podcast. Oh, dog past. Yeah, why not? I'm going to save up my contentiousness for the rest of the episode. <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> this episode is N085. <laughs> you bet it is. <laughs> <laughs> and it's called The God Complex. Ooh, Ooh. cool. I wonder what that's about. <laughs> Didn't you watch the episode? <laughs> I was hoping you guys would just fill me in. All oh, right, okay. Yeah. Live studio audience, this tonight is Marie. <laughs> oh, hello, Marie. Hi, guys. Yeah, so I'm Marie. Here I am. Hi. Hosting you today. With me, who else is here? Drew back when, strictly freelance. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Drew. Welcome to the show. Who else have we got? Hello there. Leon here. Nice to meet you, Leon. Oh, nice to meet you too. Welcome, welcome. And finally... It's me, it's Jim. Hey, Jim! Yeah! What? No way. Not of the fishy persuasion. No, of the hooey persuasion. Oh. oh, yes. Oh, so clever. <laughs> Excellent branding. <laughs> so. Okay, okay. You seem to be in need of a B-scale. Shall we dive into a B-scale? <laughs> Let's do that. Let's okay. do that. Time for us to synopsize, lobify and summarize. So take a view and grab a brief and listen to this overview. This free for all we like to call a bite-sized chunk of who. Bite-sized chunk of who? Aiming for the place with the 600 for aliens with the big hats, the Doctor, Amy and Rory instead arrive in a man-made murderous Marriott with nice curtains. Except it's a holodeck floating around space with the windows all bricked up. Joining them in the haunted Hilton are three humans and the cowardly rodent alien they don't seem to think out of place. Everyone has a room in this terrifying travel lodge, it is said, and in that room rests the manifestation of their deepest, darkest fear. Best not go into any rooms then, eh? Except for one minor detail, namely the horned beast patrolling the corridors and lobotomizing the patrons of this petrifying premier inn. Beast out over, you are welcome! Right, where are we starting? <laughs> You've ruined my sneaking in and uh, other hotels are available joke. Oh. <laughs> oh, sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't get holiday in anywhere in there. No. So what does it look like a hotel? Because they're the cheapest, most available corridors you can <laughs> put a TV camera in. <laughs> and how is it explained in show? It got stuck. Oh, yes. What, like the chameleon circuitry? Yeah, basically, I think. Hmm... Well, okay. I mean, the 1980s were the heyday of the holodeck, weren't they? <laughs> Surely, so yeah. It just makes sense that that was the current decor at the time they were designing this contraption. In the 1980s? <laughs> yeah, when Star Trek TNG was ruling the roost. <laughs> <laughs> and aliens somewhere <laughs> who either have captured or have recruited a minotaur <laughs> are watching TNG on their well, space well, TV. Well, they have their own version called Earth Trek. Oh, okay. Uh, Obviously. Yeah. So, yeah. They put all the effort into the technology, not the design. They took shortcuts, and this is what we end up with. 
I think someone needs to explain the background to this episode for me because I don't really get it. Did you not hear the beast girl? It's a prison. <laughs> <laughs> Marie's fully caught up. <laughs> So what what they said about the Minotaur was that they would travel to different planets, pitch themselves as a god, make people worship them, and then when the population of the planet kind of caught on that, that maybe they weren't a god, they then got captured and put in prison, and this was the Minotaur prison. Uh-huh. Yes, yes, that is exactly That's what, what, they what said it is. In, okay, good. Yeah. Yeah. That side of the table knows what the hell's going on. <laughs> yeah, this is a good start. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I did not get that at all, or possibly I didn't, but I forgot about it. Okay, because I didn't really think about that at the time. I just kind of took that as that, that's what they've told me, so I'm going to go with it. Yeah. But they're feeding him. This ship is automated, and it's just automated to pluck people from whatever planet it's passing by to feed their prisoner yeah this secular civilization has reached such an advanced state of enlightenment that it says go off into the stars and suck up anyone committing a thought crime (laughs) essentially and it's better than you live to believe in anything of whom nine out of ten will be human beings yeah yeah and it's better that you live and any number of them die (laughs) than we kill you right now yeah basically Mm. Mm. (laughs) didn't think that one through did they I is it know. a fully automated prison? Yeah. Okay, is it a gigantic holodeck prison for one single prisoner? Yeah. Well, it's not actually that gigantic, is it? It's just the holodeck makes it seem gigantic. Okay, sure. But through it is rollers a, and conveyors it, or whatever. But it's a prison for just one, one minotaur. Dude. Yeah. Do the minotaurs live forever? He's pretty old. I mean, that guy's been around the block. Yeah, no. So, okay, so there's one minotaur per planet pretending to be a god. Do they not breed? Well, if there's, if there's just one dude... Or do they just live indefinitely? That we, is a very good question. How do know. they um, but, procreate? Yeah, I don't know. Can we roll back a little bit? Okay. Yes, please. <laughs> so You were the one who wanted to understand what's going on, but yeah, okay. I, yeah, I still don't understand. <laughs> is the Minotaur different to the people that did the ship then? Yeah. Wait, Wait it's, what? Not a, it's not a race of Minotaurs. He's not one particularly bolshy one. <laughs> But the, okay, the yeah, minot- now I'm lost again. Now I'm lost again. <laughs> the Minotaur fed on worship, but when there was enough people, that was fine. Mm. And when there's a small amount of people, you basically kills them. That's what I got. Yeah, that doesn't point. make sense to me either. So is this a Minotaur but, prison? Is this a prison made by Minotaurs? No. No. This is a prison made by people who have wised up to the Minotaur and cast him out of their society. So this is a prison slash torture chamber for him. But that seems... It's not a prison so much as a let's make this someone else's problem hotel. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Like, it's not a prison so much as a flying burger van. <laughs> or indeed a flying Waffle House okay. through space. Okay. Yeah, now that you've mentioned Waffle House, <laughs> it makes a little bit more sense. But I don't feel like the people who wised up and put him in this prison made the right choice. No. As soon as you stop and think about it, it yeah, it makes absolutely no sense. Surely they would have defeated the Minotaur by not praising it anymore. Yeah. So why not just do that? (laughs) Why imprison it and then feed it for the rest of eternity? Well, I mean, maybe there are always going to be people susceptible to belief in any society. And so just kill it. Maybe they hated the faith idea and belief in something because they'd been made to feel stupid because they believed in the wrong thing. Yeah, all, so the, all the past hurts haunting them. Anyone with faith is a moron and deserves to be killed. Yeah, that's a really good moral to take away from this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I got. <laughs> How do you feel about the hotel environments? Even the opening scene of it just gives sort of shining vibes. Yeah. How do you feel about that as an environment? 
I quite like it, but yeah, as soon as you stop and ask why does it look like this, it kind of doesn't make any to sense. To the Minotaur, surely it makes no sense no, whatsoever. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's like, where the fuck am I? <laughs> like, what's this bell at the... <laughs> and, and why are there security cameras? And why is there a little security footage room? It's not a real hotel. Why, why are the windows sealed with brick? Why not just have walls? Or yeah, well, space. Or why make fake, why make fake brick? Yeah. Uh, uh, an element that probably doesn't exist in that particular form outside of planet Earth. Is it not just to keep the illusion of no escape, but within the confines of it being an illusion? Yeah, a brick wall makes a pretty powerful statement. Okay, yeah. All right, I'm with you. If you're going to make it look like a human hotel, you might as well use human bricks. Tick. Next one. Tick me off a little bit. <laughs> uh, I think I was totally on board with this right at the start of the episode. I think it does get that shining vibe. We made references to Bill and Ted. Yes, there's also before. a strong Bill and Ted's <laughs> bogus well, Bill, journey Bill and Ted vibe. Too. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Which I believe one of us uh, watched as research. Yes, he did. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what sacrifices you make for this show, Drew? I know. Sometimes this is the best job in the world, this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and by job, I mean onerous time-draining hobby. But moving on. <laughs> Bill and Ted, there are, there are a number of parallels can I just add that Peter Hewitt directed Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey when he was just 29? What? Yeah. What? Just wanted to make you all feel worse about yourselves. There was <laughs> nothing about that film that screamed lack of experience. No, no. It's visually, <laughs> it's visually dazzling. It is, actually. It I've really seen is. It. I think I've already seen it a couple of times, and the last time was at least 10 years ago. It is worth a rewatch. <laughs> I have an image of a scene in my head, which is, I think, when they're trying to escape from their personal hell rooms, and there's, like, yes. the big bunny and... Yes. It, is it a naval officer or something? I don't know. And, oh, and yeah, an Alaskan military officer. Yeah. Yes, someone's grandmother, Bill S. Preston's Esquire, played by Alex Winter oh, himself, well. dressed up under a ton of makeup. Oh, it's brilliant. But yes, within that, <laughs> so you've got the personal hell idea. Yeah. You've also got Bill and Ted automatically regressing to how they looked as children, which you also have with Amy Pond. Towards yeah. the end of this episode. Okay. Mm. The doctor's talking to her and it's adult Amy and the next shot it's child Amy and it keeps flicking back and forth and that's fairly like what it is in Bill and Ted. And Rita gets a bit of that as well, doesn't she? Because her hell is her, her dad. disproving dad. Yeah. And she regresses as soon as she walks in. Yeah. In Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, you've also got the Faith No More Spiritual and Theological Centre. I mean, that's more of a passing line. Also, the bad guy in Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey says, What is the fuel? And everyone shouts out, fear! <laughs> Ooh, yes. nice. The devil totally looks like the Minotaur. You have a similar camera shot where you rush from, you know, where four corridors meet at a crossroads, and you go from one junction to the next. You get that in both places. Oh, very and interesting. And you didn't need it here, where it sort of runs around, you know, where it goes, and then the So do you think it's a deliberate homage to Bill and Ted? I would like to think so. Yeah. yeah. You'd hope it isn't just accidental plagiarism. Also, incidentally, and you two won't get this because Marie and Jim have been on holiday, but the Easter Bunny in Ted's personal child hell looks way better than the frog in It Takes You Away. Oh. Way better. Look forward to that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I will. <laughs> I have no idea what's happening. <laughs> you will. You will. I, I sort of enjoyed the frog, actually. Uh, we'll talk about it more in 2026. 21? Yes. <laughs> 2021 or 2126. Time will tell. Oh, very interesting. Do you think this was an homage already at the script level in that case? This was written by Toby Whithouse, whom we Toby have... Toby Whit! 
House. Which <laughs> <laughs> I believe you did the last time we encountered Toby. Yes, and I will do it again and again and again. <laughs> We have already encountered Toby Woodhouse's scripts twice on Who Back When in School Reunion and They're the, pretty good. And The Vampires of Venice. <laughs> <laughs> we will encounter him again in a town called Mercy, under the lake, slash before the flood. I remember those two being good. I remember them being great as well. Yeah, fantastic, in fact. And then The Lie of the Land, which I don't remember. Oh, it's the lie. Oh, yeah, I remember that. was the that great one. deflation at the end of the pyramid sequence. Is that the one where you even get to see Donald Trump? Oh, I don't know. I think, I think there's Trump footage. When they're inside Ugh. the pyramid thing. Oh, dear. Oh, just hell. don't. He's also written Greeks bearing gifts for Torchwood. So he would seem to love his Greek mythology. Potentially, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Should we just say, for the benefit of podcast land, who may not be aware of the story of the Minotaur, briefest background sketch? Oh, I, I can are, do it in five seconds. Wait, are we going to sketch this? Oh, wait, are, are you going to su- summarize it or can we reenact it? <laughs> Bagsy, not Queen Pacify. <laughs> no, okay, give it an incredibly quick pricey. Okay, there was a king of Crete, King Minos. He had a lovely Queen Pacify who had a taste for beef, shall we say. <laughs> And, yeah, gave birth to this Minotaur, and they built a labyrinth for it, and put him in the middle, and they would feed him every nine years. And eventually, Theseus got wind of this and thought, there's something heroic I can take care of, and slew the Minotaur by using a bit of string. Yes, to find his way out of the labyrinth. also come back in Doctor Who recently. Oh, yes! Yes, yes, you guys will get to that as well. Spoiler. <laughs> so many spoilers. But that's a different episode. We can't no. interconnect those two. No, that's just a coincidence yeah. of mm. scheduling. Sure. So now you know about the Minotaur. <laughs> See, my knowledge of Minotaur was big bull-like creature with horns mm-hmm. and a labyrinth. By oh, the way, yeah, we yeah, have he's... encountered the Minotaur before as well. What? Really? On Who Back When? The actual Minotaur. I say the actual Minotaur. <laughs> <laughs> the established Minotaur. Not the established Minotaur, a Minotaur. Hang on, I'm going to go to the Vindex on Who Back When. That's whobackwhen.com, yes? It is. <laughs> <laughs> Minotaur, here we go. We have encountered the Minotaur twice, in fact. Twice in Classic Who, once in The Mind Robber, in which it is the actual Minotaur of Greek mythology. Right. But the Mind Robber has conjured it into being because they're in this sort of fairy tale land. And then once in The Time Monster, in case I think it's just an alien who happens to be a Minotaur. But, uh, yeah. No, wait! It's a Minotaur in Atlantis. The Atlanteans have a Minotaur. What, the actual Atlanteans? Yes. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this makes sense to <laughs> Yeah, so check those out. Actually, fuck Mind Robber. <laughs> <laughs> and check out Time Monster. Right, right. Yeah. In conclusion, this is yeah, one sorry. of Toby Whithouse's better ones. Absolutely. One in the positive common. Yeah, column. <laughs> it's in the positive colon. <laughs> the, it is, in case there was any doubt about it, I don't know about you guys. I really like this episode, and I'm very pleasantly surprised to say that I remembered loving this episode when I saw it way back when, and haven't changed my mind. High level. Pretty good. Okay. Pretty good. Yeah. I'm sort of really undecided. Yes! <laughs> yes! <laughs> I am strangely enjoyed it when I've watched it. I wrote some notes... Not many of them are positive. Most of them are just factual. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I put a rating down on paper. Then, because of illness and other things, we didn't actually record last week. And in the meantime, I've kind of forgotten everything. It's just jumped out of my brain entirely. It has not left much of an impression. 
It's left the same impression I had of it, what, seven years ago. Well, you've been it, it was It was a good episode. I enjoyed it, but I don't know. All right. I don't know. It, it doesn't jump out as one of those ones that I'm really intrigued to dissect and talk about. You've and been bleeding randomly. That's much more important. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks yeah, for just, sharing that. Yeah, just mention that one vague detail and then let's keep podcast on guessing. <laughs> <laughs> See if he makes the next one. Out of where? <laughs> Pin the blood on Jim. <laughs> Okay, new life goal. Make Marie hate this episode as much as possible and give it as close to a 0.0. <laughs> and get Jim to really appreciate this episode for the great one that it is. At the same time, using the same words. Because yes. <laughs> <laughs> if this episode has taught us anything, it's that people are extremely suggestible and prone to wild mood swings. Mm. Yes. I am bloody not suggestible. <laughs> but, but I'm really overcome with your thought from it. <laughs> You know, what did people think of that exactly? The shots that you got of everyone going... <laughs> Occasionally quite creepy. Mm. Was her name Rita? Yeah. Her take on that was particularly creepy. Mm. When She's she got ha- a very wide mouth. When she had her... Yes. The giggle was just maniacal. Yeah. <laughs> that was well done. It did creepy very well as well, this episode, with the yeah. room full of the ventriloquist dolls. I think it, yeah. When they all turned and looked. <laughs> yeah. It sets the tone like... uh, very well. Yeah. <laughs> and it's so playful as well. The worst thing they could have done is make them genuinely scary, but they're just ventriloquist yeah, dolls. Yeah, yeah. It's perfect. I was going to say about the cold open that within 20 seconds of the beginning, they've managed to be creepier and scarier than the whole of Night Terrors was, which Mm. was the supposed exercise in fit, purely because you get some modulation. You get something that's a little bit incongruous Mm. rather than just, you're supposed to be scared, you're supposed to be scared, boo, ha, 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 Yeah. For 45 minutes. Mm. Well, this one has a psychological depth that you didn't get in Night Terrors. Night Terrors is the kid, right, with the wooden dolls. Yeah. Two episodes ago. Yeah, yeah, sorry. (laughs) Was it only? Two. Yeah. yeah, but we didn't record that for like eight, that was maybe two months ago. So. <laughs> we need to speed up, speed up this podcast. Speed up. <laughs> the other thing I had to say about the cold open, just while I'm looking at my note, is if this yeah. was shot today, that'd be Harvey Weinstein or Louis C.K. lumbering out of the bathroom instead of that brutal gorilla. Oh, yeah, too current. Hindsight's a wonderful thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry, say something non-depressing. David Williams. David Williams. <laughs> <laughs> He's still a safe name to mention. Is he? He is, right? I'm pretty sure. I think he is. I think so. Yeah. He writes okay. children's books. He does. He yeah. must be that a means safe nothing. Name. That means I was nothing. Say, that means nothing. Yeah, yeah. Kids say the darndest things and so on. <laughs> no, David Williams is in this as the cowardly mouse man. Uh, um, David Williams was really, really good in this episode in that I hated him so much. <laughs> like, so much. But I think I was supposed to. Yeah. Yeah. And then he's the one that survives. I know, I know. He wasn't trying to play sympathetic and missing. No, he has no redeeming features, does he? (laughs) No. No. But his tactic is is proven successful. Yeah. Yeah. I think he survives. I didn't actually clock that, that he is the the one that survives because of that tactic. Yeah. Mm. Ah. Sly. Do you think if it had been Capaldi, he would have gone, no, this is now your prison because (gasps) Mouse Man stabbed everyone in the back? He is genuinely much harsher and about the immediate visiting of consequences. Yeah. Maybe. I wonder if maybe he That seems like a very dark consequence, though. Yeah. Well, also, he would have no food. Like, the prison oh. was built for the Minotaur. Yeah, but oh, here, they open have this well, thing. Have, have some holographic cheese. Yeah, a well-stocked fake kitchen. <laughs> for tea. tea. Yeah. Yeah. Easy. Set it on a course for Tivoli. Go to Tivoli. <laughs> It'll take you 20 years to get there. Yeah. It won't. Yeah. They're looking down at the planet at the end of the episode. That light grey one down there, that's my planet. Oh. 
right. Although two minutes after that, he says, can you drop me off at the nearest galaxy? And the planet's right there! Yeah. Also, the nearest galaxy? What? The galaxy that we're currently in, yeah. which is also where the planet is. <laughs> You'd yeah. think. Yeah. Yeah. You mean the, the thing that you are always in? Yeah. <laughs> Regardless of where you are. Oh, that's got to be some points off, Marie. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's not very good, is it? No, it's that's not. like a terrinationism as well, the whole like conflation of galaxy and universe and mm. space in general. <laughs> Yeah. I also, it really bothered me because he's already shown them that he's not to be trusted and he wants to, let's feed this guy, what was the conspiracy theory guy called? Howie. Let's feed Howie to the monster and maybe he'll leave us alone. Mm. And they go, no, that's stupid. Like, let's all be in it together. And then they leave Howie with, like, he's the one guarding Howie. Mm, come on. makes no sense. Let's put somebody that's a bit more trustworthy to guard. You've stumbled on one of the Corridon'ts ah! for the end of the episode. <laughs> so yeah, Corridon, don't do that. Well done, Marie. One point. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Lead it already. <laughs> and you've never played before. Where are you guys? That's why she's answered it correctly. I thought the whole point was not to answer it correctly. Uh, <laughs> I got a question. Mm. As people are being lobotomized by the Minotaur, mm-hmm. and they obviously line up the bodies, they keep the bodies, why do they also keep the dolls watching over the bodies? Why have they taken all the dolls and sat them up in like two or three rows? Yeah, overlooking the bodies. I think that's the holodeck programming them to do that. Yeah, because they're really? not real dolls, are they? It's all holograms. So yeah, they, but they just... are in the room though. Like the holodeck has created. No, them. no, no. Because like when he tries to touch the angel, it's just an image. It's oh, that's true. Physical. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so... and that used to be Joe's room. So the holodeck is—it's like a hundred Jimmy Carr Greyfriars bobbies. Wait, hang on. So do you think that the holodeck has then transported... Rearranged them all. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Placed them there to Just scare to them further or something. Just to be creepy. Oh. Yeah. No, I think the survivors have laid them out where they are, but the holodeck's just provided the surroundings. Yeah. They can't leave them in the corridors. They'll trip over them. Yeah, but why not just leave them in, in that dining room? That's a definite corridor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I'll give you that, Jim. One point. <laughs> but why not just leave them in the dining room? Aren't they in the dining room? They're not yeah. in the dining room. Well, you, but they're not at the tables. They are... Okay, I'll, no, I mean, I, I'll include... Sc- your lunch. I think there's, a, there's a, like, a stage or something. There's like a front to the room where presumably someone could give some naff conference. Do you think there were just yeah. more dolls on that stage? I and, thought it would be like more like evening entertainment, like dinner, dinner theatre. There'll be a screenshot on... on it's a hotel. It can do multi-function. Um. <laughs> Rent this space. <laughs> Tell your friends we do bar mitzvahs and <laughs> oh, weddings. And lobotomies. <laughs> okay, I have a question. If everything in the hotel is a hologram and we can't touch them, then how does Amy pick up the goldfish bowl? And what is Tivoli Man doing with the goldfish bowl on the security cap? Yeah, there you go. This is Captain Jean-Luc Picard taking out the safety security from the holodeck. And all of a sudden, the photons are rearranged and they're physical now. But can someone answer what he's doing with the goldfish bowl? Did you notice? Well, he, he, he ate the fish. Yeah. He ate the he fish, ate yeah. <gasps> yeah. Why? I don't think he put so- it in his pocket to take home later. <laughs> <laughs> But why? So that would be proof. I've yeah, you can, you can sustain yourself ground. in this place. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I did a naff joke. <laughs> but I mean, everything, you can physically open doors. If everything is just a hologram, See? then clearly you can interact, physically interact with it's, whatever it's this person has conjured for you. It's the bit that's the anomaly. Yeah, is it because yeah. he knows that it's a hologram and I that's think, why it's acting as a hologram? Yeah, maybe it's something to do with that. Like You can, you can break it if you're willing to, but... Otherwise, it works. Hang yeah. on a second. That makes sense. 
Didn't we have a previous episode where even the image of an angel <gasps> helps power? An angel. Yes, it does. Boom. Yeah. Yes. Yes, we did. Yes. Yeah. So, so actually, they're all dead now. Yeah. But, <laughs> <laughs> but it has to be the image of a real angel, and this is a fabricated thing. No, no, no. They said even a drawing of an angel in a book. Yeah. Did they say that? Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. even photos and everything. Because it, well, I thought it had to be photos or films. No, 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 no. Because yeah. River's looking through the book and she's like, well, there are no drawings. You would draw a uh, picture so that someone could identify what an angel is. And then that's when they realise the image of an angel becomes an angel. I'm sure it's, it doesn't have to be a photo. Okay. Yeah. And so also the image in this room is pretty photorealistic. It is. Yeah. Every episode from here on we have to assume is heaven or hell. Okay, great. So at some... <laughs> wait, hang on, wait. Have we encountered the angel since that episode? That's the one with the soldier yeah. priests. Uh, Fresh right? and stone. Yeah. Have we encountered the angel since then? Probably not. Because I was about Probably. to say... Oh, wait, oh. No? Okay. <laughs> There's a lot of nodding and shaking sorry, of heads sorry, around the table. Like a yes, Marie, you're right, rather than we actually have. Yeah. <laughs> so we will encounter them again in the future, but we haven't yet. Because either we've had a conversation in which we've said, like, oh, thank goodness they undid that plot point, that, like, bit of angel lore, or we have actually watched an episode where they did that. But presumably we haven't yet. But we remember <laughs> that that is no longer part of angel laws. <laughs> I feel like we've had this conversation on Who Back When. Yeah, I feel like they shouldn't have over-egged the pudding in the first place. Okay, back when it so briefly became a part of Angels. We all yeah. agree they fucked up the Angels. Yep. Let's move on. Sure. Move on from the angels. That's got to be another point off, Marie. It's definitely a point off. What's in Amy's room? But it adds so much complexity, doesn't it, Jim? What's in Amy's room? <laughs> <laughs> is Amy's room Amy? No, or is, I, no that's the no, doctor's room, isn't it? I think the doctor's no. room is Amy. No, the doctor's... Oh, yeah. We no. don't see the doctor's no. room. Exactly. And in the doctor's room, clearly it must be the doctor, right? He sees himself. Well, I have some trivia for what it really is, but oh, blah blah. blah. <gasps> oh, oh, we can come back to it if you want. Let's come back to it though, because so because I, I thought that Amy was in the doctor's room, and that really pissed me off because it's supposed to be his biggest fear, and I didn't understand how that was a fear. I thought the that, fear of that disappointing like people or something or, like that. Yeah, but no. So like, little Amy is in Amy's room, and it's her fear of being abandoned. Abandonment. Yeah, must be. And like the doctor never coming back, which makes I don't know. Is that fear? It seems, but like it wasn't. Everyone else's is like this really primal, like there's a giant gorilla gonna attack me, and but I, yeah. I think when it's revealed that it's something that it's not really fear, it's something that drives you to fall back on some kind of faith system. Yeah, but the something gorilla like, doesn't work kind of in belief. that regard, nor do the well, weird dolls. I think maybe if you don't have a strong figure in your life that you have a lot of faith in, that then you have the maybe it's just fear and as a primal thing, and then faith as a primal thing. So those people have very rudimentary fears, where other people have more complex fears about disappointing people that they respect or being abandoned by people yeah, that right. they so want Reeters, to put trust into. Reeters, oh, interesting. It's like the fear of failure, yeah. I guess, or a fear of disappointing, disappointing, disappointing her father. Disappointing her father, yeah. Mm. yeah. So it's not a fear like, I'm frightened. It's a, it is, yeah, you're right. But maybe her faith is in her education or something, or, or her ability to well, triumph no, her, over it and something. I don't know. Her faith something. was... She was oh, no, she said did, she's she a Muslim, yeah, yeah, and it was a very hers was a religious faith. No, true. Yeah. Um, so it's not. Really Wasn't affected. it that they are being scared? They have to face their fears so that they will fall back and rely on yeah. their faith. And in her case, it happened to be religion. But in Amy's case, they sort of overlap because her fear is to be abandoned of what she has faith in. Yeah, yeah, and she's she spent fifteen years waiting, trusting. Exactly. I mean, yes. The exactly. Would eventually come back. Otherwise, exactly. she just run about him. I don't think she. Oh, do you think she did trust that he would come back? Well, I don't think she ever entirely gave up. Or if she did, even I if she, she did, hoped, that she hoped left. that it would come back. She didn't. 
Yeah, and that would have left such a big imprint on her. I mean, that's the sort of formative experience. She must have been out there for quite some time, because then she just furnished her room, which she did not change for about 15 years, to have drawings of the Doctor and little models of, you know. Question about the room. Mm. The Doctor's room is room 11. He's the 11th Doctor. Yeah. Her room is room 7. Why? Because she was 7? No, she's 6. Oh. In the first episode, is she... Oh, like oh, her I age! I didn't even think about actually. that. Maybe that is it. <gasps> Holy moly! You just oh, you just oh, wow! That's adding a point. No, 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 no! <laughs> I don't know. Stop it, Drew! <laughs> I'll edit her down in post. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> but if it's that, then it, what? The number of reincarnations you've had, or or your age. <laughs> Are they doubling up on a lot of well, I was thinking, like, is she the seventh companion in New Who or something like I that? He's the 11th Doctor. Like that, and is but she... I didn't get around to adding them up. No, I, I didn't but, care. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, I mean, we could try it quickly. you got Rose. Mickey doesn't count, does he? Uh, he might do. He might have to. Uh, well, he, yeah. if, if we're with uh, number two saying he may or may not count, we're going to end up between five and 15. No, because so we... No point there's really only one may or may not, and that's Mickey, isn't it? So then we have Martha. Right. Donna. Donna. Wilf. Wilf, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, so now you're up to five. Yeah. We need one more. Um, oh. Does Captain Jack count? You travelled with them. I feel like Captain Jack might count. Oh, wow. Yeah. You really think that, that she's number seven? And then she's number, she's number seven. seven. <gasps> Unless he doesn't count, in which case... Oh, no, because she would still be before Rory. Yeah. yeah. Captain Jack definitely counts. She's the seventh <laughs> commander. Boom. Nailed it. <laughs> and she's clearly six years old, Jim. Come on. <laughs> but yeah, it's just it's a number that's important oh. to you. Lucky number seven. Mm. I bet there are loads of sevens. I bet that corridors are full of number seven. <laughs> or 42s. Oh, yeah. There must be a 42 in there. Loads of them. Yeah, loads of number 23s as well. What's 23? It's just a nice sounding number. <laughs> <laughs> also the number 23 Jim Carrey film. Oh, yeah, yeah. So hit us with your trivia then, Jim. What's in the doctor's room? Yeah, shower us with some facts. Mm. Shower us. <laughs> well, <laughs> apparently, <laughs> the time of the doctor reveals it wait the time of the doctor what the time of the doctor reveals who it is well what it is but the doctor says who else when he's looking into the room at his greatest fear he says who else could it be which one is time of the doctor again well they fucked it up then (laughs) (laughs) the time of the doctor is matt smith and capaldi doing some stuff together it's matt smith's final is it yeah so this is him going back through stuff, is it? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, wooden Cyberman. Well, the claim is that he sees the crack in reality that has dominated his first series. Oh. So his fear was destroying the universe. <laughs> <laughs> Which wouldn't make... If he definitely says who else. He doesn't say what else, does he? No, but then that would probably give it away, wouldn't it? So I think it's a fudge. There is a reason for the fudge, but it's not very good. No, I think it's bollocks. See, that's why I thought it was little Amy, because he says, who else? And you assume it's going to be him. And then it's not. It's, oh, it's little Amy, but it's not. But that mm. feels like it's just putting way too much responsibility on her shoulders. Yeah, I think, yeah. I didn't like it when I thought that was his room, but it's okay now. I, I assumed it was a classic foe. Oh, I like mean, the master. Enduring foe. The master, master Davros, yeah. or a Dalek or a Cyberman. Yeah. Daleks aren't strong enough because there was already a woman on the wall with, that Dalek was in her room. Oh. On the, when the, we oh, said yes, yes, the pictures. Right, right. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it has to be something bigger than... He's not afraid I of the Daleks. I think 
the Doctor's greatest fear, it would have been empty. His fear is oh. being alone. Oh. Doesn't have an audience anymore. Exactly. Gets cancelled. Oh. <laughs> or what? <laughs> Gets it's, it's Chibnall. Chibnall series has been getting sorry. pretty high ratings. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, I, uh, I mean, that, was, that was uncalled for. I apologize. <laughs> No, his greatest fear is that Donna will come back. <laughs> it's Donna. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you're so right. <laughs> no, wait, his greatest fear is himself, but it's an older version of himself that's got better stories. Oh. <laughs> no, his, his greatest fear is actually a BBC accountant looking <laughs> despairingly at a clipboard. <laughs> I liked some of the dialogue in this. Did other people like the dialogue in this? There was some nice... Well, actually, I don't know if I really like it. But <laughs> Rory, after, I think, coming to... Somebody hit me. Was it Amy? <laughs> oh, that's pretty good, that's yeah. That's the first of two allusions Rory makes to domestic violence. Yeah, yeah. 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 I wanted to say something about that, because it's always made as a joke, and it's like, oh, she's hitting me again. But she bends down and unlaces her shoe to thump him with her shoe... Are we not bordering on domestic violence a little bit? Like I don't remember that bit. Is that yeah. the same? No, that's... Wait, when is that? We don't see it, but he says, oh, the last time I said something like that, you hit me with your shoe. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, sorry. That's the scene that I'm thinking yeah, yeah. of. Yeah. And then... And, and then that's it, also insidious because it's blunt force trauma. So she, yeah. Well, she hits him so she knows she shows, what <laughs> show. <laughs> Cuts to Amy just putting oranges in the, in the burlap sack. <laughs> <laughs> And then, yeah, the second time when he comes to and he's like, oh, did Amy hit me? She goes over and he's like, oh, no, Rory, are you okay? And then immediately kicks him in the head on her way to get past him to get to the door. Does she? She kicks him. Not like kick, kick, but like she knocks past him and like couldn't give a toss about her husband on the floor. Um, <laughs> and yeah, like wow. it's really, I don't know. I think it's supposed to be like lighthearted and jokey and like, oh, Amy, she's so like, what a fierce temper that Scottish redhead has. But it's a bit close to the bone. Like, I don't know. I don't like it. Yeah. Let's not make domestic violence. No, let's not no. make light of it. No. Yeah. Have you got any points left, Marie? Um, I, I say, to... I'm, I'm taking them now. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Dropping it still. Do your good lines, Tim. This one is badly quoted because I didn't write it all down properly. But the doctor is talking to Rita and says, you think this is hell? And Rita nods along saying, Yes, the whole 80s vibe threw me a bit, though. I like that was a nice line. Yeah, I liked that one. <laughs> I think it was, that was more about the delivery, which yeah. I, I didn't do justice to. And Amy has a nice moment when they, they're running around and they just go into a room and there's a clown in the corner. And oh, I think yeah. Rita has a nice line. Cause oh, so Rita like, says it. She says, how's it going? And Amy's like, don't talk to the clown. Yeah, it was, Amy's <laughs> com- it was Amy's comeback I liked. No, but I really like Rita. I love Rita. Rita Rita's should, very Rita good. Yeah, Rita's come back. Yeah. It was a shame that she got also caught. offered a companion I know, role. I know. Yes, well, in fact, that's the very first line that I quite liked. Amy, with all due respect, you're fired. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm just joking. Call me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so good, so good. <laughs> I had a question off the back of that, which is: Is Rita the best companion who never was a companion? Oh, wait, hang on. Who, whom is she competing with? Well, she's competing with Kylie. I was going to say Kylie. Okay. Yeah. Kylie's pretty good, but Rita might be better. Daisy yeah. from Spaced. Still Rita. Really? Yeah, okay. I think so. I mean, she didn't actually get to Daisy meet... from Spaced was not great doctor companion. She was great John Smith yeah. partner, true, true. life yeah. partner. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I suppose. 
Okay, how about Sally Sparrow? She never got to meet the Doctor. No, Rita. Oh, but Sally Sparrow was awesome. Sally Sparrow would make the great lead in a YA spin-off that isn't class. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, how about David Morrissey? Wait, what? Uh, Oh, yeah, the next Doctor. Uh, He is pretty great. So what we're saying is, it's a toss-up. She is up there with the best Never Companions ever. Mm. Wait, spin-off? Yeah. David Morrissey and his companion Rita. Rita. The Doctor and Rita. That would be nice. I'm commissioned. And Rita series. is the Doctor because she is a medical doctor, mm-hmm. right? So perfect. Done. Double Doctor. Yeah. Did we previously describe Wilf as a companion? Is he, yes, he's, Wilf is he's a exempt. Yeah. 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 Okay. yeah. I also went with Martha if she'd been left as she was pre kiss. Ah, uh, true. You know, I had the same thought. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really? Oh, yeah. my goodness. Rita is a lot like Martha in the beginning. The whole, like, yeah. medical stuff and being really intelligent, asking all the right questions. Yeah, except well-written. Yeah. And then... <laughs> oh. <laughs> Shots fired. <laughs> I stand by Martha. Yeah, Martha's great. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know that she walks the earth like Kane in Kung Fu? Like Kane in Kung Fu? I also liked a couple of more Matt Smith lines, which was, I'm going to shake his slash her hand stroke tentacle, or whatever it was. And I love things. Ask anyone. (laughs) I like his fascination with the cheese plant as well. Yeah, the first 10 minutes, I think, suited Matt Smith perfectly. Yeah, he's on point. I'm doing a spiffing job. Lines I did not like. Oh. oh. When Amy, I can't remember who she's talking to. Maybe it's Howie. Maybe it's. Howie's the kids, Dave right? Williams. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and she's like, You might be afraid, but this man here has saved me so many times, and he'll save you, but don't tell him because he's got a big head and it'll just make it bigger. Soundbite. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, Amy Pond. That was so. I feel like that was really awkwardly delivered. And then it just came around to be like, We have to believe that she's got this never ending faith in him. And it was, it just felt like a really. Rub- I didn't like it when it first came in and then at the end it's like oh that's why they did it and I hate when it's really obvious it should be natural dialogue well I get that but I watched this twice in two days and I actually like on the rewatch going back and seeing how well that fits together oh yeah I mean it could be less clunky definitely because she basically says that every episode like she's always like ah the doctor will save the day don't worry but they just made it really how often does she get to try to convince a third party of that though I think whenever there's another third party, because they're always like, why is this man taking charge? And she's like, nah, because he's the doctor. Oh, really? You think so? I think it's happened quite yeah, a few I times. I trust him with my life. That sounds like yeah. something she says. No, 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 that's, that's really true. Familiar. That's a fair yeah. point. Yeah. Jim, any more? I'm done with quotes. Well, Rita name drops the episode, which is a quote. Ooh. I don't know if I like it or not. But. Yeah, because you... <sighs> because I'd liked this bit. <laughs> yeah? Yeah, because the God Complex... We're told that this Minotaur is posing as a god and you think that the title is referencing him. And then, yeah, Rita says it to the Doctor. And it's like, oh, twist. He's the one with the god complex. Yeah. Not the Minotaur. But also, all the people who end up worshipping the Minotaur in their own way have a god complex. Do they? They are in a complex of worship. Well, I mean, they develop a god complex where they can't help worshipping this thing as a god and then he eats them. Yeah. Is that what a god complex is? No. no. It's, that's, the, that's the opposite of a god complex, Drew. What, what a god complex is also is a god in a complex. That's what I just said a moment ago. Yes, 
because they're in a complex yeah. that is designed for worship. They're in the building. In a, well, it's not even a building. It's not even a building. Wait, well, where are they when they step out of the hotel? They're on like a spaceship. No, the hotel, the hotel sort of dissolves around yeah. them. Yeah, and the, the holodeck is just like floating around space, right? Yeah. 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 Fucking pilot that thing someplace. Otherwise, are they just leaving this incredibly dangerous prison floating around space? Minesaw's dead. So what? It's well, fucking alien tech, up man. on re-entry. Where? Who cares? Where is it re-entering? <laughs> Tiffany! <laughs> They'll be like, oh, all praise the <laughs> our, our new conquerors. Yeah. <laughs> Boom. The concrete box. All hail the concrete box. Yeah, glory to the concrete box. That'll be their new national anthem. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just to nip in with some trivia about Rita. Mm-hmm. She is played by Amara Karan, whose film debut was in the Darjeeling Limited. Oh, really? That's a pretty good film yes, debut. Yes, she is on the train. <gasps> is she the lady on the train? She's... Like the love interest. Yeah, exactly. Oh, she's really good no in way. there. That, that is totally her. Oh, my yeah. goodness. Yeah. Huh. Nice. Oh, I never would have made that connection. Very yeah. nice. Okay, excellent. Yeah, but she makes a great start to her career, and then she sort of falls back through Ambassadors, which was a Mitchell and Webb drama that only Abby and I ever watched. Oh. Although we told Michael Ridgway and his wife to watch it. So hope you did that, Michael. <laughs> then she <laughs> fell. Why don't you write in and tell us, Michael? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hear it. And then she fell even further to playing various in a goodness gracious me reunion special. (laughs) Various. (laughs) (laughs) But recently she's been in Stanley's Lucky Man. And that's her career to date. Well, she needs more good... She does. Because she's a good actress. Yeah, Yeah, she was. She was brilliant. Yeah. In both of the things. What about the kids? What has he done? Howie. Yeah. I'm looking him up. Hang Do on. we want to look up Howie? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we can Howie read. Sprague, played by Dimitri Leonidas. I feel like... There's a name I didn't expect. <laughs> That's a fantastic name. <laughs> Joe just giggles through pretty much the entire episode, and his character is more developed than Howie is. Oh. <laughs> That's true. Oh. <laughs> what we get is... Howie had a lisp. Yeah, it deteriorates into, he's a stereotype. Yeah. Oh, oh, no, that's another line that I really liked. Um, When Rory is talking about Howie and he says, this guy overcame a lisp. I forget that all, how does he phrase it? All achievements don't have to be saving the world. Yeah. To be, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That was a nice line delivered by Rory. That would fit very comfortably in the new series. And it shows that Doctor Who has been doing it all along. Mm. To a degree. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, can I just say one thing about Dimitri Leonidas? Mm-hmm. So, do you guys know the film Centurion with Fassbender, Michael Fassbender, and who else? Dominic West! Uh, Laurent, what's his face? I can't remember his name now. Anyway, in that one, he played a dude called Leonidas. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That must have been tough. <laughs> I wonder if they changed his name just so he would react where <laughs> <laughs> when I tread on your foot and call you Bert you respond no not getting it no. okay. Leonidas okay. We're, call- we're calling this character Leonidas now <laughs> and that's it that's his only other credit is it no he's done tons of stuff I've already closed the window who cares <laughs> <laughs> sorry Dimitri oh I would like to draw attention to some positive things in my view of what the Doctor does. Because I have felt like the few episodes gone by, I've picked on the Doctor for not being very Doctor-like, being a bit of an asshole. Okay. But first off, he actually tries to save Joe, even though he's a giggling mess and the Minotaur's coming, all this kind of stuff. They try and rescue him. 
doesn't work, but he tries. Yeah, his principle in this episode is constantly never leave a man behind. Yeah. Mm. And whilst it's arguably actually not that doctory in Matt Smith's Doctor anyway, he gets super angry when Rita dies. Like, he does not like that that happens. And well, he I, really relates I enjoy to her. Yeah. that the Doctor didn't like that. Not as insane as that sounded. But in his mind, he's probably, <laughs> even though he feels that all life is precious and everyone's a snowflake, he's locked into this hotel mm. and he's clearly ranking his cellmates in his head. Yeah. Like, Rita number one, and we've got Amy and Rory, probably <laughs> Howie, maybe Rodent guys at the bottom. After the photo of this other dude who died 50 years after ago. After the Minotaur. After the Minotaur. In fact, it's Minotaur speaks, number one. <laughs> yeah, he speaks monster, so he's happy to share a TARDIS with that dude. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree. You reminded me of another thing that I didn't like. Excellent. Um, so many. Fantastic. fantastic. <laughs> um, so, Doctor, when he first sees the Minotaur, he goes, oh, you're so beautiful, which riled me because he says that a lot. And that's his like go to, like, you are so beautiful. Mm. And then Amy said it when she was being possessed. possessed, but she does it in a like really sexy, like, you are beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she <laughs> like, does it in a queen pacify sort of way. Yeah, like, let's not go make love to the Minotaur. Like, come on. And then I can't remember when it comes, but there's a point where the doctor's like, let's go catch a monster. And it's like, you're understanding that this is a beautiful alien species that we don't know what his motivations are. We're not assuming that he's evil when he starts talking to him he's like asking him questions and working out his motivations but you happily describe him as a monster like it doesn't seem to mesh very well he's not a monster he's an alien this yeah 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 agreed he's a beautiful alien minotaur yeah whose mode of survival is fairly monstrous nevertheless but he didn't choose to be there he was yeah, it's all instinct there. it's all instinct exactly it's he... not instinct it is instinct that's what he says they say it yeah, yeah. He uh, dies pretty instantaneously after, I'm going to cut off your food source now, and then just... That's my point. He could have been so easily not kept in this prison that is really just a torture machine for other innocent Like, it almost it just takes one person not to... To lose faith in him. Yeah. yeah. And then yeah. that's it. Kaput. He's never encountered someone like that while drifting through the depths of space. And this guy, he can't miss one lunch. Yeah, I know. He's not <laughs> drifting through the depths of space. This is not, like, why it's 99% humans. He must just be, like, in orbit around Earth mm. and then occasionally dip into the Tivoli system. Mm. Well, either this is a comment on the budget, therefore, or it's a comment on humans. <laughs> there are that we have more faith than other... Yeah, exactly. Aliens. I, aliens are more advanced and that equals less faith. I don't know. See, I, I took it the reason he dies is not that someone stopped having faith and so he didn't get to eat. It's the equivalent of someone's gobbled a load of sausages and then someone's ripped them out of their stomach as they're trying to digest them. Oh, Jim, that's a very graphic image. Well, wait, just, uh, can you say that again while I unbutton my trousers? <laughs> <laughs> No. <laughs> right answer. Because <laughs> it's the fact that he's trying to devour, he's got a connection to Amy at that point, and the doctor breaks that. So it, I think, because like Rory never has anything happen to him because it's described that he isn't religious and isn't superstitious. Mm. He literally has no faith, apparently. Oh, poor Rory. Which is it's a bit weird. He but. has faith that his wife will hit him on yeah. a regular basis. Maybe that's the thing, or his faiths are negative. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's got nothing to look forward to. <laughs> oh, Rory. But yeah, the, I think mm. I think it's all about him devouring it individually. Mm. So he's, he can have 
this banquet laid out in front of him, but as soon as he starts feasting and it gets interrupted. Game over. Game over, man. That makes mm. sense. That sounds like a boss level. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's when he's vulnerable. <laughs> Was anyone else expecting the doctor to open a room door and find a dude getting head from a bear? I, if I have to be honest, no. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you know, he said, no, no. <laughs> from The Shining. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> I did wonder. Just from the back. Of the <laughs> just to clarify, <laughs> there are a lot of rooms in the show. I don't remember most of them, and that's the one that you're. Yeah, you're there's, going there's with. one okay. where, like, I think it's the uh, the guy who previous to. I'm thinking of the Jack Nicholson version. Like, well, is one the caretaker previous to Jack Nicholson. He's in a room and he's just getting ahead from a dude in a bear costume. We've already had a bear in this episode. No, we had a gorilla. It was a gorilla, oh, yeah. It. Sorry, I'm mixing up my furry <laughs> animals. Maybe they wanted a bear, but their costume was in a different department of the day. Wow. Okay, different maybe, question. Ursine blowjobs aside. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> okay, entirely different question. The dude who's tied up behind his back in a chair surrounded by dolls. Mm. Joe. Joe. He magically unties himself. Mm. Oh, yeah, his bonds are miraculously loosed. Yeah, it's as though he praises the Minotaur so greatly, so deeply, that the Minotaur presumably sort of unties him, or the holographic prison unties him, or whatever. Why can't anyone else do that? Why can't Howie, for example, who's tied in front of the CCTV, why can't he just go, untied, now I'm going to walk away? And he's delivering the most fulsome monologue of all. Yeah. I sort of assumed that the Minotaur slash Hotel had tied him up to begin with. Because I feel like the humans would not have tied him up and left him in a room full of ventriloquist dolls. Somehow he went into the room and then... Don't they say that they tie him up, though? No, they just say he's tied up right now. Oh, oh yeah, you're right. Uh, so I think he got tied up so that he could... Because that's his fear. ...be in the room with the dolls. And then it sent him crazy enough that he... Done. Yeah. I am perfectly and convinced then, by And that. so well how he couldn't undo himself because the room didn't tie him up, they physically tied him up with holog- holographic rope. paper. Yep, yeah. but, um, <laughs> but it's a, Yeah, I don't know. That's my explanation. Yeah, that's a good explanation. Hmm. Yeah. Okay, slapstick segue... How do you feel about Rory hanging on to a door as it's being opened and he's just swinging into the corner? The Minotaur bursts into the room. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> he's just sort of stopped at the door. <laughs> oh, Rory. I missed it, to be honest. I oh, really? Yeah, I don't really remember yeah, that. I, bit. I, 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 it's like a real slapstick moment. Miriam and I just laughed out loud <laughs> when it happened, which really killed the mood of oh. the episode. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because also that was supposed to be a very solemn, mm. moving yeah. scene. Yeah. <laughs> and there's Rory capering in the background. Always oh, Rory. I think my brain switched off a bit when they were trying to capture the Minotaur. Oh, really? I think it, I don't know, just went into, oh, Magina. 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 It's the knockoff version. <laughs> Presumably with a female lead. Um, (laughs) it's what they would do isn't it (laughs) MacGyver moment that's what I was trying to say where it's just like ah put all this together and the mechanism will work and I just kind of I don't know is that basically what they did, or did my brain just make up a uh, middle, no, I think middle, yeah, bit, that's middle bit of this episode? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's MacGyver meets Home Alone as they're yeah. booby-trapping the hotel. Yeah. And then the whole, like, oh, let's put mirrors everywhere so that he can't tell where I am. 
I don't know how big you, this room is and how many yeah. mirrors you've got, but I don't think that would work unless you're in an actual hall of mirrors. But the doctor does speak monster. And maybe when the Minotaur goes, oh, wait, you speak my language. Oh, at last, someone to talk to. Yeah. <laughs> maybe that's what's like, he's clearly over there. Yeah, uh, like I uh, could uh, definitely uh, see him yeah, in the corner. Yeah. I, I could kill him just by breathing in his general direction. <laughs> what he should have done, he should have brought in the ventriloquist dummy and thrown his voice. That <laughs> <laughs> one in every corner and that one speaking, and that one speaks. Oh. That's a trick there. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, it's just the tape recorder. It's just dawned on me. Is a trick they use in Bill and Ted One to distract. <gasps> oh, Bill, oh, Ted, yes. Ted's dad, the police officer. Wow, nice connection. This has to be intentional. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think so. I think that's yeah. glitched it. He's got good taste in films, as Toby. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like that was not worth putting into this thing, where there's an alien creature that looks a bit like a minotaur that feeds on faith. And it, yeah, it's just going to be drawn towards a tape recorder. Yeah. When it can obviously sense other things of humans. Yeah, from a I, distance. Thought, I did think that. Yeah. yeah. Also, I think you said your brain switched off. I think their brains all switched off. Well, maybe because, that's why. Because at one point the doctor says, we all have to stick together. And they're barely all together at any point during the rest of the episode after they hatch that plot. Mm. They are all ranging down their own corridors, sticking their noses into yeah. their own rooms. They just completely throw that away. David Walliams has, of course, appeared in Little Britain with Tom Baker narrating. Yes. And in his sketch show, Walliams and Friend, his guest star one week was a Miss Sheridan Smith. Oh, really? Oh, really? Sheridan Smith, who plays whom? Lucy Miller. And in this episode, there was a Lucy, the policewoman. The policewoman was Lucy, yes. Uh, her name was Lucy something, but in the first draft, her name was Lucy Miller. <gasps> Oh, wow. Yeah, that was in TARDIS Wiki. Ah. Okay. I Circular to- trivia. Totally forgot that character existed in this episode. It, me too, actually, up until now. <laughs> <laughs> Amy Williams. She is finally named Amy Williams by the Doctor in this episode. Mm. I really liked that scene at the end when he's have to break the faith. And I feel like everything he tells her, it's what she needs to hear to like stop having faith in him. But I also think it's true. I don't think he's making anything up. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's absolutely cuts to the bone and it's very good speech it's a nice metaphorical slap around the face <laughs> yeah wake up amy wake up amy and well done toby Whithouse. yeah yeah and i liked the fact that she was amy pond i feel like more women should keep their name and it can be rory pond and that's wonderful for like a feminist thing but she's not amy pond she chose to take Rory's name, and by refusing to call her Amy Williams, he's not respecting her choice. And so this is the first time that he uses her proper name. He will revert back to calling them the Ponds. Yeah, I, I guess. But I don't know. I did like it. Had Rory moment. not been hanging from a door at the time, <laughs> we might have had an appreciative <laughs> shot of his face. <laughs> Quite. <laughs> Do we think... No, believe this is intentional that the episode where we have the bit at the end where the doctor is basically saying this could be winding this little jaunt up is the one where he has this heart heart with Amy and like you've got to face reality now or is it a happy coincidence? So I liked the scene at the end where he says the whole thing and he's like you've got a big adventure in there for you and like go live your life with Rory. And- yeah, that's bullshit. But that's absolute bullshit. Well, <laughs> so you could have still been married and had your lives together yeah. 
in space well. <laughs> on different planets. You could have learned so much stuff. But no. <laughs> On this one, <laughs> just Go and live in this mid-terrace. street in London. Actually, not even car. London is wherever. Yeah, yeah. Here, have a sports car that will <laughs> ruin the environment. I know. I've seen the future. <laughs> <laughs> also, it's an E-type Jag. I'm pretty sure. And Rory's like, "How could you possibly know that that's the sports car I like? It's only the most famous British sports car like, ever yeah. made." <laughs> You're a human, like. <laughs> yeah, but it's red. Everyone else wants it in green. It's true. <laughs> But no, I quite liked that sentiment of I'm leaving you here because you're still breathing. I know how this will end and I want to save you. But it didn't seem to fit with the rest of the episode. We've seen her in much more peril than that. And if you compare it to the ending of last week's episode where they have gone through hell and back with Amy and the like older Amy and this like, who should we save? And it was so dramatic. And then he just gives her a nod and a wink and off to go and it's all jokes and I feel like last week would have been a better episode to have this really serious... Wait. Oh. Hmm. Okay, here we go. Is it a double whammy? Last week was the one where Rory is finally like, this is fucking awful. Hmm. And this is the one where Amy gets a reality bomb and says, yeah, this could be fucking awful. Hmm. It's Having, building. Was it actually planned that these two episodes run into each other as the finale... Well, preludes for Fulani. I don't know, because they don't seem to be linked. But last week's episode, I don't see how Rory is the... Oh, you mean at the end where Rory goes, oh, of the last episode, yeah. where Rory goes, oh, how dare you. You're turning She's me out into there. you. But, yeah. but that in that stuff. case, both episodes are about her suffering, not his suffering. Mm. The last episode might be about his sympathy with her for having suffered for, <laughs> for ages and ages. Yeah. But also, if mm. that was the case, if last week was Rory's bomb and he has had enough of this... We didn't see any of that this week. This week he's all like, oh, great, we're on another adventure. And he's just playing along with it. There wasn't a change in Rory's... No, true. And if anything, the doctor at the end of this episode really proves that he doesn't give a shit about Rory. Because yes! he's just like, here, have a car. Here, look inside the house. Doesn't even say goodbye. Yeah. Poor Rory comes out with three glasses of champagne. And yeah. it's like, oh, what the fuck? Like, My notes. Reaction. It's in that. his notes. It's in his notes. So doesn't say goodbye to Rory, the bastard. I finally get to see it. It's in his notes. <laughs> <laughs> but Rory's reaction is brilliant because he's just like, what the fuck? Where did he go? Yeah. Do you feel like this is the end of the Pond slash Williams era? Because it doesn't feel like it to me. I'm not sure that it felt like it to be seven years ago either. Well, I th- well, there's yeah. too much opened up at the beginning of the series with the silence and all that and River. Sorry, what? Unresolved. No, no, I don't remember all that. I don't think all. that it ever no, happened. No, no, I can't. <laughs> I can't possibly come what back silence? after all these yeah. episodes, could it? <laughs> But yeah, it doesn't feel like... A, I guess because every time there's been like a finale, it is a very dramatic... Like Donna is like, you must never speak my name again, otherwise the world will explode. <laughs> you know, yeah. Rose is on a different universe. <laughs> like, there's always a really, really final, <laughs> final end. And so it's just dropping her off. And she's like, yeah, pop by sometime. And he's like, oh yeah, sure, I'll cop around for a couple. Like, it doesn't really feel like a, a proper ending. <laughs> But it's also the earliest point at which Amy could even be brought to accept an ending mm. after she has been deprogrammed and the doctor's demythologized himself yeah. in her eyes. Yeah. I mean, he wanted to take her to the giant people with the enormous tourist information office hats. See, I would, I would be really pissed. I would be like, you promised me the giant people. Can we not just go there first? Don't leave it on this. But wasn't Amy's yeah, end faith on a high? In, yeah. don't, don't end on minotaurs. <laughs> <laughs> but wasn't Amy's faith in him precisely what drew the TARDIS off course and into the minotaur prison trap? 
Yes, oh. and now, but now they can get to yeah. the big-headed people because she's not going to get drawn into any traps anymore. Yeah, now's the time to start having fun. Exactly. You're finally ready. <laughs> I also found false in that scene where the doctor says, what's the alternative, Amy? Standing over Rory's body yet again. <laughs> He's come back more often than Jesus. <laughs> And Lazarus put together. Yeah, that's not really a threat anymore, is it? Poor Rory. No, it's it's just stale. <laughs> he hasn't died for a very long time now. I oh yeah, no, no, oh, yeah. Him, yeah. High five, Rory. Just <laughs> <laughs> stay awake by like at least three episodes. Well done, our kid. Awake, sorry, I'm alive. <laughs> our kid. Hmm. Hmm. Shall we circle back to the big religious elephant in the room then? All right, let's do it. Are we ready for it? Is Drew going to hit us with some... Is this going to be a Ganesh reference? Well, it doesn't have to be... (laughs) It doesn't have to be me. I mean, we can all have an opinion on this. Just because I'm the one religious one here. I I say, I'm more interested in your opinion. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but I also don't want to be like... I'm just going to grab this drink and uh, listen intently. Yeah, let's all look at Drew. Yeah, this is not in any way meant to (laughs) make you feel self-conscious. To varying degrees, we probably represent a certain element of spirituality or spiritualism, whatever the word is, whether that's religious or not. Mm-hmm. That's but, the opposite. But all, I, all I'm saying is that as the most religious one of the group, I don't want to go first and sort of impose that on the rest of, and you know, sort of steer the discussion from the very beginning. I'd oh, be interested you in hearing what you guys to go have first. to say. Is that what you're saying? Well, yeah, because I typically in these situations tend to go first and vary it up. Okay. I didn't like it. I thought it was very... I don't know, because I feel like maybe the first time around watching it, I probably did like it. And I feel like it comes from a perspective that kind of looks down on faith and down on religion. And it's it feels quite fickle, like you're worshipping, using all the terminology of religion and pointing it towards an alien. And it feels like if your mind can be switched that quickly, it's meaningless. And, and it's, I thought it was quite disrespectful of religion. But <laughs> um, then the way that it treats Rita's religion, she has a lot of strength in her beliefs and she's seen as by far the most intelligent and capable person there. Sorry, can I just ask you a question? Yeah. Aside from Rita, what other representation of religion do we get? Well, I feel like when Howie's having his little episode and he's like praising, worshipping, blah, 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 blah. I don't know. I just feel like yes, there's a lot of language. I was language. in darkness and he has brought me into the light. Exactly. There's a lot of language there that is oh, okay. from a... Not I, that, I interpret that differently. Do you? Yeah. Okay. And I have to say, I am probably the least religious person in this room. Not to say belief-wise, but I don't have a background of it. Because I, I was brought up basically in an atheist household. So I think everyone else here has a bit more of a grounding in religion. So you're probably all going to know more than I do. But it just felt very on the nose with the language that they were using and i'm sure the doctor's very dismissive and the praise you just i don't know it made me feel quite uncomfortable i think can i just ask the praise you because my interpretation of this differs from praise that, him from not praise you that's a fat boy slim so. oh yeah sorry yeah so the praise him line that seems to really have been emphasized for the characters who didn't have religious faith and it it has it, rita it, it, says it too yeah, okay, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Everyone says it, but yeah. it, but the ones who get the soliloquy and the yeah. ones where it's like, uh, you know, cinematic emphasis is brought upon it, including Amy. Yeah. And it the appears ones... on the screen, the words. Yeah. In yeah. flashes. Also, yes. That's when they're not falling back on religion. It's when they are praising the Minotaur, mm. alien, whatever the alien species is called. 
I think the only real, quote-unquote, real religion, I'm saying quote-unquote because I don't know if, I can't remember if the rodent guy has a religion. I can't remember if... I guess the religion of whatever... Whatever his name is, Joe. Joe doesn't... No, Joe worships luck. He's just a gambler. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, okay. So, scratch that. The only religion, I think... Except, wait, hang on, sorry, did you say that the rodent guy does have a religion? No, no, I was just saying it's probably whoever's invaded them at the time. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, he's biased in that sense. Yeah, okay, so the only religion in that case that is represented in this episode is Islam through the character of Rita. Yeah. And I thought that was done really well. Yeah. And quite tastefully in a way. Not ham-fisted the way that you occasionally get in BBC productions in brackets. Doctor Who! Exclamation point. Yeah. Where it's like, uh, well, because we want to check a box, we have to name check something that isn't the C of E mm. or whatever. Mm. But it was done really just honestly, perfectly normally in this yeah. episode, which I think is good. I think that was really Did I miss something? Because I generally thought it was just named. She assumes that they are in hell. I can't remember the actual what, terminology. Jahannam. Jahannam. That she's... Muslim. That Muslim. Yeah, it is. Like, there's nothing about her... Well, other than... Because that's how the Doctor knows that she's a Muslim, is that she names... That's the it. Version no, you're her. right. That yeah. is pretty much it. So is it not just name-dropped? Like, I, I don't feel like exploring the depths of her religious faith and how it No, it, it changes well, I wonder, actually, maybe that is a good else. point. So they're very implicitly setting up a hierarchy of... The gambler is just superstition, so he goes first. Mm. And the conspiracy theorist, there is some truth and some fact to what he thinks he knows, but it's warped, and that's misplaced, and so he goes next. And then there's the one who's had a strong religious faith all her life, and that is its own sort of intricately constructed system, and that's harder to break down and replace with this energy break down to its raw energy state. And then what, faith in the Doctor is even more difficult to break down? What is well, no, because Amy gets got very quickly. She yeah, but after Rita, you, after Rita, no, 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 but she sees her room a lot later than Rita does. Um, and she's been there she a says, lot less time than the other. And three. she oh, says, true. "Praise yeah. you once," and the monitor is on it. Whereas everybody else, they talked about the worships. The letter that they found said the worships got closer, like contractions. So you worship and then you come back to normal. You worship, you come back to normal. Whereas Amy only said praise you once, and then she was food. she was in it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's so. Actually, hers was the easiest to break. And then we have Rory, who has the, no faith whatsoever. The hardest to break was the David Balliams. He never started to worship. He found no. his room, but he never... No, but, very true. So doesn't the doctor yeah. say something similar about Rory as well? That he just takes the world at face value or something to that effect? Like, he has no faith in yeah. anything beyond what well, he, he sees. Doesn't and... have, he doesn't even have a room. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. He, he saw a fire exit, didn't he? Yeah. And then tie that together with he says goodbye to amy who praises him who Mm. worships him and has faith in him but ignores rory entirely who is not capable of having faith in the doctor Mm. there's also the question of the doctor which is largely unaddressed amy asks him flat out who do time lords pray to and he doesn't say anything either way well so presumably the doctor would have been the last to go but would he have gone if it were him and rory and it was like a well, yeah, in the, the end, is, is in the is, end, but... it would have been, yeah, Rory would have gone. Amy would have been killed off and Rory would have suddenly built faith on the loss of Amy. Oh, right. Uh, I, I either thought, having faith uh, in Amy or having faith in some higher power that he didn't realize was there beforehand because he doesn't want to let go of the one he loves. Okay, driven to it by grief. Yeah. Could the doctor's faith be the TARDIS or is that too simple? 
I mean, it could be. Why not? I thought sure. that might be. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they didn't close down any possibility. Or again, himself. Maybe his greatest fear is himself and he has the most faith in himself. Mm. But the point is, mm. during this episode, he has a faith in something. Yeah. And Rory doesn't. Doesn't, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Because he has a room and Rory doesn't. Yeah. That's true. And also, in the later series, again, I don't think you're quite there, Jodie Whittaker mentions her own faith in passing. Wait, when? Remind me. In the Punjab. I don't remember the line. I don't want to Oh, let's not spoil it. Let's not spoil it. Let's, let's, not, spoil it. let's not spoil it. We'll talk about it off mic. 2026. 21. <laughs> <laughs> nice one, Marie. <laughs> Welcome aboard. <laughs> See, I fall into weirdly two categories that makes it a bit kind of ambivalent because I feel like it's very lightly touching on the faith element of this for an episode that is all about eating faith. <laughs> To the point where it does feel a bit ham-fisted in some places. It just name-drops Muslim. Oh, it feels ham-fisted because of the lightness of the treatment. In a way, yeah. It's like, well, here's our token Muslim. Here's our token conspiracy theorist. Here's our token superstitious Superstitious person. Here's the person that doesn't have it. You know, they're all very straight cut. And to that point, it is a little bit top level. But then because it has that, I feel like... It's actually leaving a lot to interpretation. It's leaving a lot to, you know, this isn't saying that faith is easily manipulated. It's saying we all rely on things. This creature is preying on all these things. It's not saying the creature is replacing all these things, that religion is that flippant or anything like that. So I think if it did dive into something, we might get closer to Drew's idea of actually ranking things in the hierarchy. But I think we've we've started uncovering that, and actually, it turns out maybe that isn't quite so clear cut because I think they're basically going in the order that they found their rooms in. Yeah, it's mm. more just a set time on when you uncover stuff, other than maybe the Trevelyan. Yeah, he's the only one that doesn't really fit Give the pattern. But yeah, I don't know if it's. I think it's actually done quite well in that sense that it's managing to get you thinking a little bit, but it's done it in a way you don't. I didn't actually feel outraged. Oh, I, I, I was didn't trying to feel outrage. I trying to felt... put myself in someone's shoes who yeah. might have enough reason to feel outrage. Yeah. And I couldn't get there. I think it just <laughs> it just made me feel uncomfortable and I don't know and maybe I don't really know why, but I don't think it did the first time. I think I remember enjoying it more the first time around when I watched it seven years ago. But I think I knew a lot less about religion back then than I do now, just from living in Oxford and knowing a lot more people that do have a faith and kind of learning about it. I don't know. You've made me loud and now I'm self-conscious. I have made you a little bit louder, sorry. <laughs> I, I could see you drifting off. That yeah. Bump you up a little No, I'll stop. Someone else stop. <laughs> well, I mean, I can read out my prepared statement, but you've already said most of it for me. Who, me? All of you. All of us. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, see how this matches up with what you said. I wrote, I'm not particularly happy about the religious phraseology that's co-opted. That's what I said. Yeah, that is what you said in this way. In a less succinct way, yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't much like the implication that fear is so close to the root of faith, mm. or that faith is somehow the cure for fear, because that isn't the case. Mm. Faith can leave you more fearful than ever. But they can go together. This wasn't essentializing as Jim said, necessarily any of the categories that we are lightly touching upon in this episode. It's just sort of giving an example rather than Mm. in Doctor Who's most heavy-handed moments where they're all chanting the same thing. We are faithful dickheads. We are faithful (laughs) morons over and over again. It doesn't do any of that. So I thought it was a bit more artful than the average broadside that you get. It's more than the average beer. (laughs) I mean, it doesn't ram it down your throat like a big grinning sun. Mm. 
Also, fear can have a rational component. So you could just extend that to faith. I mean, I rate myself as having a slight phobia of knives, but on some level, that's a sensible response. (laughs) (laughs) So I never knew that about you, Drew. Nor I. (laughs) Yeah, well, you know, I just see a big knife and I think, ooh, uh. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. And all the rest has come out in the episode already, so that's what I thought. I wasn't particularly outraged. I still managed to enjoy the episode an awful lot, and only bits bothered me. But don't you feel that the co-opting of certain religious phraseology is... It's laid out as co-opting thereof in this episode, as in the Minotaur, or whatever it is governing the Minotaur, is abusing the rules of faith Mm. in order to feed the Minotaur. So it's not criticism of religion as such, necessarily. That's not how I viewed it anyway. It's more criticism of people who purport to have religious value, to take on religious value, to manipulate other people for their own good. In this case, the Minotaur. Or the prison, if that's what's driving it. Yeah. Or, I don't know, I think that thing about the Minotaur and the religion as well kind of irked me. I think I'm very irked on behalf of religious people. I'm not that is irked such a myself. good word. Isn't it great? <laughs> it's a great word. Because he basically says that Minotaur goes to a civilization with no faith and gives them something to worship. And then as they become more enlightened, become more secular, they don't have a need for religion anymore. And he loses his place. And it is almost, you're equating religion with the Dark Ages and when we didn't know anything God fills a place, but now that these civilizations have got more evolved or more intelligent and they don't need the God anymore, and that's... I saw that as balanced out or at least undercut by their strange mix of speciesism and utilitarianism that says, head off to the stars and just kill anyone you meet who's less (laughs) advanced than we are, because that is not an advanced society. No, no, it's not. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, where do you go from there? (laughs) I uncovered a fact which I found quite hilarious in a way because apparently the first dialogue that was written for this episode is probably the one that I find most trouble with. Oh, which one's that? But apparently this entire episode came out of an ancient creature drenched in the blood of the innocent drifting in space for an endless shifting maze. For such a creature, death would be a gift. Mm. That apparently spawned this entire episode and I think it's terrible i think it's terrible yeah i think it's terrible in place of you thinking it's the minotaur and it's even worse when you put it in place of thinking it's about the doctor yeah it's even worse when you say that it was the genesis or the seed that germinated this episode because that is just the face of bo's death scene over again some ancient mythical creature with cryptic duly applicable speech as it dies Mm. and the doctor's there so Ugh, that's very underwhelming. Yeah. To be fair, it does say first line of dialogue, so perhaps there was a rush structure in place, but still, it's pretty bad. I don't know, for the monitor, I kind of like it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's, he's awfully articulate for a creature that's pure instinct. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also, for any creature that hasn't developed opposable thumbs... You know, <laughs> I don't assume that the Minotaur race has much of an understanding of grammar, for example. They probably don't have much of a vocabulary beyond grunts. Oh, so the Doctor is liberally... Absolutely. Um, ...interpreting. Absolutely. <laughs> Can you imagine the... An old thing 
<laughs> covered in gooey stuff <laughs> going around this thing. Well, imagine on the planet Minos. Thingy would be thingy. <laughs> That's exactly what it would be. <laughs> That's a fucking Minotaur bestseller. <laughs> <laughs> and also Baldrick. <laughs> yeah, that's on Planet Minos, the best-selling Minotaur author with its hoof-shaped keys on its typewriter, just like clonk, 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 thingy. <laughs> <laughs> it does words on that typewriter, and it's thingy and and full stop. Yeah. <laughs> Spacebar. No space <laughs> Shall we maybe rate this? And Well, hang on. No. We have one segment left. <gasps> Is anyone up for some... Cory and Cory Yes, in answer to your question, <laughs> yes we are. Right, so Marie and Jim are already ahead of you, Leon, on a point each. Can I ask, does this mean genuine question? Yeah. Because when we last played this game, yeah. I feel like we were aiming to lose. <laughs> I feel like Jim was aiming to lose. I told him, Jim, you shouldn't have been aiming to lose. And then you did anyway. <laughs> Wait, c- can I rephrase Leon's statement so it makes sense? Okay, sorry. I feel like Leon and I were pissing about. That's what I meant to say, yeah. <laughs> okay, so Whereas we're going for I'm, points. I'm in it to win it. <laughs> okay, all right, we're going for points. We're going for points. Okay. Wait, what is the score? It's 1-1-0. One, one, oh, 1-1-0. One, one, yeah. So I Leon, beat that. In the corridor... Corrid, do you open every last door until you find your deepest fear? You'll get a bonus point if you tell me what you should do. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, a bonus point? Yeah, you get two points. One for the correct response and another for the uh, The correct correct course of action. You should (laughs) Corrid... You should (laughs) Corrid don't. (laughs) You Corrid don't open every last door in the hotel. Instead, you lock yourself in the kitchen where there is a perpetual, an inextinguishable supply of holographic food, and you just gorge on the smorgasbord. I'll give you half a point. That was close. Uh, Okay, Jim. Jim, Jim, coming in with a challenge. Buzz in for a bonus point. Okay. Go on, then. Because more clearly, you just don't open any doors. I think that's also incorrect. I think you clearly don't open... Corey, don't open any doors until you find the door that you're inexplicably drawn to and then you have to open that one door. What? No, no. Minus no, you're point. dead. No, you, minus, no, minus, po- minus point. What? You're on zero now. What? She's that's on exactly zero. Drew, make a note do. of this. Yep, She's on zero. zero. We've got zero. <laughs> Jim's, on, Jim's on one. How do you know I'm in your room? A half. I have a half a point. No, you're on one and a half. Oh, one oh, and a half. Because oh, I oh, you, wow. gave you one for the don't. Wait, I'm in the lead? You're not in the lead. <laughs> I'm in the lead, guys. <laughs> this is a tumultuous round. Oh, wow. What you Corrid do is just put some chairs together in the dining room and sleep in there. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Right. Okay. We've already had... Um, Wait, I've given you some negative points. This is your survival tactic. Just sleep. Sleep it off. <laughs> I mean, you've you got to be... You might wake up and it's all a dream. The most mental, these people haven't slept in two days. It's only making them more susceptible. Mm, true. They need rest. All right. All right. Right. So, okay. This is for anyone. This is for all the marbles. Okay. Wait, how many marbles are we talking about? <laughs> Two. Okay. Two okay. marbles. Two marbles. I'm so, you can That's better than win. one marble. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how many marbles. Not as good as three marbles. Lots of marbles. <laughs> what do you do as you leave the TARDIS and head down your first corridor? Leon? No, 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 no. Marie, Marie. She hasn't got an answer. Oh, Marie. You 
tie a piece of string to the door and follow it through all the corridors. Because it's the labyrinth and it's the Minotaur. Yeah. Marie, would you care to read out this paragraph? Oh, oh, do you tie a bit of string to the TARDIS as you leave so you can find your way back again? Marie has won! <laughs> Wait, how has she won? She has one point. Two points. Damn it. All the marbles. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Well done. Bravo, bravo. First time player as well. Beginner's luck, I'm sure. <laughs> Ratings? Oh, Ratings. Ratings. <laughs> and now it is time to rate this. Did we laugh or hate this? Bing bong, bing bong, hey, la 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 la. Ratings. I feel very conflicted about this episode. I think we all remembered really enjoying it the first time around. I think that's just the consensus. And so I sort of expected to be really blown away by it. And then I think wasn't and i think i found more problems with it watching it this time around and Mm. and then as we've discussed today holes have appeared like genuine holes have appeared as well but then there are some really good like it is really creepy it is very good at putting you back up and making you feel really uncomfortable and i think that's what it's aiming to do so it does it very well i like the weird 80s hotel setting i like rita as a nice side character she's great but I feel like Amy and Rory don't really get to shine in this episode. And therefore, it's a really weird episode to be their send off. Like, shouldn't we have an episode that's more revolved around them? And, uh, and where then Rory actually gets to say goodbye to where, the doctor. Yeah. And where Rory gets a few lines that's not just, oh, there's an exit here, guys. I don't know. Like, none of them. Re- Rita is a better companion, as the doctor said, than either of those two in this episode. So I feel that was a disappointing ending. To be fair, though, he's never trying to fire Rory. Just Amy. He's never tried to fire Rory. You would keep Rory, yeah. <laughs> Rory and Rita. Rory. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you were top-billed Rita, did you? <laughs> 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 so, yeah, so I'm really struggling um, to know where to place it. So I'm going to go middling, I think, and I'm going to go with a 2.4. Wow. See, I think I was conflicted about this episode, even though I originally was rating it higher. Mm. And I think clarity has dawned. I think there are nice things in this episode, but it's not a brilliant episode. Mm. That's definitely where it sits. And it's a bit laboured, I think, to get the Minotaur in there, to get it sloping up worship. Not worship. Well, it is kind of sloping up worship, but faith. And someone, presumably Toby thought these were all brilliant ideas there's a thing in here it'll just all work amazingly this will be like the best thing ever and it's just okay i think is what it boils down to it's just a shame because i think it does have a weird ability to kind of stay in your brain as this was good because i i have now watched this from the original time and probably i think i've re-watched all of new who prior to like capaldi and prior to maybe not whitaker but like I've, I've rewatched a lot of these episodes and I think it still stays in my memory as being a good episode. But now I watched it recently and it's in my memory as an okay-ish episode. And now we've talked about it and we've picked holes of it and it's now it's just, it's an okay episode. I sometimes think that's the problem is you watch things just as an enjoyment level and it's like, oh, it's a great episode. And then as soon as you watch it with an analytical head because you know you're going to have to talk about it, that's when you yeah things maybe so i think yeah maybe if we weren't the bunch that has to pull these things apart this would still be a good episode but for me it's better than average that's where i'm putting it (laughs) i started at a 3.5 i've beaten myself down to a 2.9 
Wow. All right. I would say that, to call back to Bill and Ted, Bill and Ted is directed with more pizzazz, has better dialogue, kookier set design, and got there first. <laughs> but barring the perhaps underwhelming contents of the rooms, because that clown is just depressed. Right? Who's scared of that clown? I mean, has anyone seen the new It? Has anyone seen the old It? I mean, that clown is rubbish that's sitting in that room. Maybe sad clowns are a very specific fear. Also, clowns are gross. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I, get, I get that coolrophobia is a thing, but still way underwhelming. But I thought, and I still think that even though we have pulled this good episode to within an inch of breaking and snapping its elastic... I still am going to rate it quite high because there's a lot of good stuff. Matt Smith is on great form. Rita is a great new character. Unfortunately, that is at the expense of Amy and Rory, who both are underserved. David Walliams, he is a big recognizable name and face, and he immersed himself, admittedly, in a lot of makeup. But he played that character perfectly, Mm, I thought. That was really good. One of the better aliens we've had. One of the better sort of bystander aliens. Better than Nakafakalapalapatad or whatever his name was back in the Kylie days. That's worse than before. Yes, here we got that. What the fuck? We broke him in the boat. Let me translate it for you, Jim. Odd podge, flodge, nod, glodge. Oh, right. <laughs> I thought that we can't have a whole six-episode serial on this where Toby Whithouse can set out exactly what he was trying to do. I thought in the limited time available, it is an episode that gets you thinking and gets you digging deeper into what he may have been trying to go for. And it might have been terrible. It might have been good. And it's a talking point. And in the past, we have given episodes pretty high ratings just for initiating discussions like that. And I thought it was a fairly well-realized little crucible. I thought it could work as a short story on the page. And I watched it twice in two days, and it stood up pretty well to a rewatch. So I'm going to stick pretty high and give it a 3.8. Okie dokie. Well... I don't want to necessarily echo everything that you've said, but I will say that every actor's portrayal here, I think, was was suitable and was very good. William's brilliant. Most of all, I really want to single out Smith. Matt Smith, as the Doctor, he, he shone. He, he was put in a place where he was not aiming to go. He had no idea how to get out of there. He didn't have his TARDIS. He didn't have anything that was familiar to him. And he was just the quirkiest Poirot stuck in an <laughs> 80s hotel ever. From gargling tea and confessing that he has a degree in cheese making. <laughs> I loved him. He was fantastic. Also, just a little note, I like it when there are nudges to Classic Who, and my very last note here is, in fact, that the Minotaur is said to be a distant cousin of the Nymon. They appear in season 17 of Classic Who, The Horns of Nymon. For temporal context, Jim and I are currently wrapping up season 11, (laughs) 2021, we'll get there. I thought this was a great episode. It's not quite as good as I remember it being seven years ago, but it's just a perfect little bottle episode. Production-wise, it's nicely done. Script-wise, it is way more than adequate. Toby Whithouse has blown his past self out of the water. So I will in no way change my rating, which was Witness 3.6. Right. I see that number on the screen. 
witnessed. Oh, actually, sorry, one more thing. I've also just made a quick note to say there's a cold open here, as in for the Doctor and Co. when they arrive. We don't get to see them in the TARDIS steering somewhere. They just show up. Mm. And I didn't remember what you mentioned during this review, that they were drawn there by Amy's faith in him, etc. I, I didn't remember that plot point. So to me, it was just, oh, boom, they've materialized here. And I'm comparing this directly to having very recently, you haven't seen this episode yet, but very recently seen an episode of the current season of Doctor Who, where the Doctor just materializes somewhere or Doctor and Co. materialize somewhere. And we don't get an explanation for why they're there. They just are there. That's fine. But I feel like this is done right. Mm. Whereas so often in New Who, it's just not. It just keeps you wondering, why the fuck are you here? And in this case, it's just like, oh, it's Doctor Who. Obviously, they're in an 80s hotel. And I like that. Obviously. Yeah. Anyway, 3.6. Listen, Minis. Listener Minis. Now let's hear from Podcast Land. Max 250. Or it would get out of hand. Okie dokie, we have a number of listener minis, and the first one out of the gate is Michael Ridgway. Ridgway. Hello, Michael. Hi, Michael. Love you, Michael. Michael starts with a list of things he likes. The title! The creepy shining hotel and all work and no play makes Jack a doll boy. Um, I mean, praise him. <laughs> Twin Peaks weirdness, particularly the ventriloquist dummies. Cheeky Weeping Angels cameo. David Walliams' Cowardly Alien. Best line. Rory, every time the Doctor gets pally with someone, I have an urge to notify their next of kin. So appropriate that you got that that (laughs) point, by the way. (laughs) Space Minotaur, scary and awesome looking. And Michael's final thing he liked is a pathos ending. And he includes one lonely beef. Namely, <laughs> what happened to all that? The image of an angel becomes an angel, bollocks. I know, Michael, right? <laughs> yeah. It never became an angel's bollocks. <laughs> Michael continues with an observation. The doc deliberately reducing his companion's faith in him was also done, albeit much more brutally, by the seventh doctor, doctor in the curse of Fenric. <laughs> You know what, I had read this tidbit, but I left it knowingly that Michael would point it out. <laughs> oh, excellent. Nice, Tim. <laughs> Michael does have a question, though. Who is behind the Doctor's door? Davros, the Master, the Candyman? Ooh. Definitely the Candyman. Don't say it a third time. <laughs> it's written again a third time. Is that going to be a problem? <laughs> or, or there are other words in between. Is that okay? You're not uh, looking in a mirror. It's fine. It's all fine. Oh, all right. Fine. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> The seventh doctor's look of terror at seeing the Candyman at the end of the episode of The Happiness Patrol is unrivaled. I reckon it was the Celestial Toymaker. You couldn't bear to see all that racism come back. (laughs) (laughs) His biggest fear. His summary is that it's his second favourite Matt Smith episode. Scary, weird, funny and poignant. What's your first favourite, Michael? Do we know that? Have we have we forgotten already? I feel like we may have encountered already. I don't know. Write in and tell us. It might be closing time. Mm. Why not? Mm. <laughs> Michael gives us a rating of 4.5 out of 5 maniacally laughing people who have seen their worst fears and then been faith-sucked to death by a space minotaur in a Star Trek holodeck or something. I hadn't a fucking clue what was going on, but it was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> what would you give if you did have a fucking clue what was going on? <laughs> 
Thank you very much, Michael. Awesome mini. You can follow Michael on Twitter at bad underscore movie underscore club. You should. Thank you, Michael. Cheers. Next up, we have Star Wars Hill, Star Wars Hill, Star Wars Hill. Hello, Star Wars Hill. Hey, Star Wars Hill. Hi, Star Wars Hill. Ditto. (laughs) Star Wars Hill has a first things first. The actor in the Minotaur costume is Spencer Wilding, the same actor who wore the Vader armor in Rogue <gasps> One. Wow. Oh my fucking uh, shirt balls. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> and we looked him up. We were IMDb, the dude. <sighs> oh, and I missed that entirely. I feel. I don't know what I feel. Thank you for pointing this out, Star Wars. Oh, wow. That's anyway. awesome. <laughs> Since you probably just finished singing the Imperial March, we did. <laughs> I thought it appropriate to mention the connection, so thank you for that. Two more things Star Wars still liked. Rory's line, I'd forgotten not all victories are about saving the universe. Thanks, Star Wars still. That's what I was trying to say earlier and messed up. And the way they brought in younger Amy when the Doctor spoke of seeing her as she really is. On the other hand, Star Wars still continues, this was a very sad episode. I found Rita a very enjoyable character, and I would have loved it if she could have been kept as a second companion. Or third, does Rory count? (laughs) Instead of just killing her off. But wait, says Star Wars Sill, there's more sadness. It's established in the story that faith in a person like Amy's and the Doctor counts as a belief inside the hotel, and that Rory has absolutely no beliefs. It's tremendously sad that Rory has no faith in Amy. He's not even counting on her love for him. He just walks through this episode, not wanted by anybody. Not even the monster. Oh, Oh, Rory. Rory. It's about as tragic as those poor, ill-fated goldfish, and just as ignored by the episode itself. <laughs> Would it be nice to see Ivan? I haven't seen the Doctor's fear or find out what he believes in. <laughs> <laughs> Too much? <laughs> no, just enough. Okay. Yeah, I get it. It's your deep connection to Rory. Just yeah, I'm sorry. I couldn't. I couldn't go. And Star Wars still gives us a 2.0 out of 5. Nice one. Oh, wow. We are, like, I mean... All over the top. Yes, exactly. (laughs) That's what I was trying to say. (laughs) Excellent. Thank you so much, Star Wars Hill. People are not Star Wars Hill. You can follow Star Wars Hill on Twitter. Star Wars Hill is at Star Wars Hill. Thank you, Star Wars Hill. Ditto. (laughs) (laughs) Ditto. Next up is Davidy. Yep. Hi, David. (laughs) Are you David? up, David? David begins. Okay, another Matt Smith episode without any connection to some convoluted Moffat storyline. Things are looking up! <laughs> <laughs> what were they thinking with the man in the gorilla suit at the beginning? I genuinely thought the first girl's fear was of men in gorilla suits, not actual gorillas. <laughs> oh, genius. Oh, that's fantastic. Genius, David. <laughs> yeah, well, that just links back to Louis C.K. and Co., doesn't it? Sorry, carry on. <laughs> David does carry on. Some quite nice visual set pieces. I love it when the Minotaur's horns are scraping the ceiling and the visualisation of some of the rooms is great. As is David Williams' cowardly gibbous. We all know the nurse is dead meat as soon as the doctor takes a liking to her, though. Same old, same old. David E. continues. I'm really starting to get tired of the weird statementing of Amy's name. Enough, please. Rory gets hurt and falls to the floor and Amy literally steps over him like he's a piece of carpet, leaving the others to check if he's okay. I'm utterly sick of these two. Glad the Doctor leaves them behind. Ooh. And David concludes, and it turns out that the Minotaur feeds off boredom or some unimpressive <laughs> abstract waffle. 
typical Moffat era epic visual build up to a lackluster and half explained resolution. 2.1. Oh, wow. Oh, excellent. Thank you so much, David. <laughs> <laughs> Only one more left. And this one's a little bit over 250 words, but thankfully, she, hint, hint, has given us some indications as to what to read out. This one comes from Tracy from America. Hello, Tracy. Tracy begins, Hey guys, I'd like to open with a question, maybe several. Is it weird that I'm stuck on the title? Does it reference their belief in God and the building which might be called a complex? Does it reference Doc 11's tendency to act as God and the disillusionment of Amy necessary to save their lives? Or does it reference the beast and its need to be praised before it can feed? Should I just be happy it's not called the something of the Daleks? <laughs> what, the absence of the Daleks? <laughs> There's so much loss in this episode, which culminates in the Doctor breaking up with Amy. There is no other way to describe this. Ostensibly, it's for her own good, but I don't buy that. In order to successfully escape the Beast's praise dungeon, he needed to sever his connection with her. He forced himself and her to believe he couldn't take care of her and shouldn't be trusted with her life. Sending her away in the private realisation that their relationship was based on a false premise is both premature and a disservice to her. Perhaps the truer answer should have been for them to see each other with new eyes, for her to find her power and him to rely on her. But Eleven, or the writers, can't do that, at least not right now. Maybe Doc will be ready in a couple hundred years. And she gives this a rating of, there's no summing up, all I have is more questions. Damn you, good sci-fi. Good sci-fi. Good sci-fi. Excellent. Thank you so much, Tracy. People who are not Tracy, you can follow Tracy on Twitter. Tracy is at Yekatnyatnyov. That's Fountain Tracy. Backwards, almost. (laughs) Nailed it. (laughs) First take. (laughs) (laughs) And please do go to whobackwhen.com and read Tracy's mini in its full splendor. So in summary, people love and hate this episode and everybody's right. (laughs) Exactly. Next up, what do we have next? Closing time. Dooby dooby dooby. Yes, that's right. Next in New Who, we have closing time. Next in Classic Who, we have... The Monster of Peladon. <laughs> boo boo. And be sure to listen to our review of The Curse of Peladon before you listen to that review. I will be. Hmm. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> no, it'll be fun if I don't. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to have a chat with us before the next review, then you can reach out to us. Jim, you are online as... Jimmy the Who. Very rarely goes on Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) Marie, you are not on Twitter, but you can be reached on whobackwhen at gmail.com. Is that correct? I believe so. Yeah, yeah. Send your emails to Marie to that address and they shall be forwarded accordingly. Drew, what about you? I'm at Drew Back When. What? That's amazing branding. Ah, Jim. (laughs) Better than excellent. (laughs) (laughs) And I am at Ponken, P-O-N-K-E-N. Zlatan. (laughs) (laughs) You know how to spell that. (laughs) Great. Yeah, confuse them even more. Uh, Thank you so much for listening. You've been a lovely audience. Uh, Until the next time. Ciao, ciao. Bye-bye. See ya. (laughs) Ta-da. Kablamo! Did you enjoy the show? Then please do what the cosmos compels you to and spread the gospel of who back when. Tell your friends! I've got no friends! No problemo, tell some strangers! Hey! 
Like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash whobackwhen. All in one word. Are you into Twitter? Awesome. High five us online and we'll high five you right back. You guessed it. We're at whobackwhen. All in one word. Check us out on Instagram for behind the scenes photos and other Whovian goodness. Watch our videos or even listen to our podcast on YouTube. That's whobackwhen.com slash YouTube. Vote us up on Reddit. Listen to us on Stitcher and head on over to our website whobackwhen.com where you can submit a review of your own. Browse the article archives and peruse our visual index of aliens, monsters, and more which increases in Kablamos with every episode and lastly give us a rating and review on iTunes it helps our show get noticed and earns you lots of karma points that's it rock on and be rad and excellent to each other catch your earballs in our next Who review or bonus episode until then ciao ciao who back when who back when